fishermen from Galilee. Here we are. Have your um, pew Bible. It's page 1091, verse 32 to 43. Here we go. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was a, in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas, and she was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. And Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood outside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter, but Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And returning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints, and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. The grass withers, and the flowers fade. You may be seated. Spirit, help my voice. <clears throat> Dr. Luke is a man, a servant, in whom God, by his providence, he has called to write down the words and the stories that are being told in the book of Acts. But it is God, the Holy Spirit, who is directing Dr. Luke in this unfolding story throughout this book of Acts. It is the Holy Spirit that is telling Dr. Luke what stories to tell and what stories that are not told. The chronology of the stories and how they fit into the command and the mission that Jesus gave to them 
Acts chapter 1, in Acts 1.8, after he had died, the Jews and the Romans crucified him. Jesus arose from the grave, and he met with his apostles, the disciples, for 40 days. And could you imagine that scene? Some of y'all's grandma came back right now in the church. You would run out of here. <laughs> Not ready for that one. But could you imagine Jesus coming back from the grave with the holes in his hand, in his side? Hey, guys, I'm back. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm back. And they see him. They sit down with him, and he teach them the kingdom of God. But his final command to them before he goes up, he says, stay in Jerusalem. And in verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you guys will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. what Jesus said. Dr. Luke wrote down for us in chapter 9, last time we saw Saul's conversion and his calling. And Saul says that he was called by Jesus to make his name known among the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. But if you were to read through the whole book of Acts and you were to analyze it, you would find that the first 12 chapters are mostly centered around Apostle Peter and his ministry. But from Acts chapter 13 onwards, Apostle Paul becomes the central figure and Peter receives. He's still there. But according to what looked right, everything is now centered around Apostle Paul. But in chapters 9 through chapter 12, we kind of get a blend between the two great apostles. And this is my first slide. Um, Apostle Peter is called to be the apostle to the Jews. And Paul is called to be an apostle to um to the Gentiles. And, you know, um, people always ask me, T.A., how did you know you were supposed to be called to be in an urban context? And I preach everywhere. How come I didn't end up at Briarwood, Oak Mountain, Faith Prayer, or one of the suburban churches throughout somewhere where there's a few gunshots, not that much sin. You know, people who got a lot of money don't sin that much. Wink, wink. <laughs> Get up the 280 corridor, sin just goes away. <laughs> Please don't believe that. <laughs> Y'all know better than that by now. But some folks believe that. If I can get to that side of town, woo, I'm going to stop sinning. <laughs> so, but people ask, and lots of providential things happened in my life. I didn't just wake up one day, oh, I'm going to be an urban, come down to Fairfield. Didn't work out like that. And 
I don't know how it worked out for Peter and Paul, but what we can see with Paul, Jesus made it very explicit that he was talking to Gentiles. And Peter, we're going to get into that. But here, just so you know, Paul talks about the callings here in, in, in Galatians 2. He says, Paul says, but on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted to proclaim the gospel to the circumcised, the Jews, those who grew up with an understanding of the Old Testament. Um, by the time you get to the Gentiles, they don't know nothing about Moses. They don't know nothing about Elijah. They don't know anything about David. Man, they've been over there worshiping idols for generations, and they don't know anything about anything in the Old Testament. So Peter got the easy part. He got the Jews. But the Jews, like I said before, the Jews, have, they're devoted to their faith. And so you coming in trying to change it up. So I don't know which one is more difficult. It just depends on how you want to look at it. But Paul said he was called to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews, verse 8. For he worked effectively for Peter, and he empowered him in his ministry to the Jews. Also worked effectively for me and empowered me in my ministry, Paul says, to the Gentiles. And so you see this working itself out. And so maybe this is why it explains, here's my next text for my text today, why Peter is visiting the Jewish disciples, which it says in verse 32, now as Peter went here and there among them all. Among who? Gentiles? No, he's not there yet. Among Jewish Christians. And then he said he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. Lydda's about 29 miles from Jerusalem, day's journey. And in this part of the chronology in the book of Acts, it has been about six years since Jesus had given the commission to the disciples to go into all the world and to preach the good news. He says, start in Jerusalem, but don't stay there. Go to Judea, go to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you know by this time here in the story, all of the apostles, six years later, Man, we love what we know. <laughs> Some of y'all say, God, I follow you. I love you. I love. We do love God. All right, you love me. Go to California. No! <laughs> man, California's beautiful, but you can, man, I don't like the policies out there. <laughs> it, it sounds good. We like our comfort. We got our kids in school. We got our soccer matches to go to. <laughs> but... Following Jesus, man, is hard business. But all the apostles, man, they got their kids in day school in Jerusalem, so they're still there. <laughs> Six years later. Now, Jesus didn't stutter like I did. He said, hey, start in Jerusalem, go to Judea. But six years later, they're still in Jerusalem, all of them. Why? Well, because many Jews resided in Jerusalem. And the church is still mainly entrenched in Jewish culture. One commentator says about this part of the text, he says that maybe some of them, the Christians in, in Jerusalem, they saw the mandate as meaning that the gospel would go to the Jews 
whatever they might do. And I've seen that. I was part of the Christian Reform. And so the Christian Reform is Dutch denomination. It's a Reform denomination. They planted churches all over the world, but they only would plant churches. They would go and count and see how many Dutch people lived in the community. If there were no Dutch, they didn't get no church plant. <laughs> so people still do that. They look and say, nah, that people don't work there. I thought God should say, go preach to all the people. No, some people mind. Some people. It's okay, though. God works with that. He knows that how we are, you know. He, he knows that. And so maybe some of those apostles, like Eric Jesus says, when he said go into all Judea and all the rest of the world, they probably were thinking, man, he's talking about go get all the Jews saved. No, 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 them, them, them Gentiles, no, 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 I don't know about that. But we see Peter here in the text, he's stepping out and into his calling from the Lord Jesus Christ in whom he loves. It says he went there, here and there among all. Peter is ministering to Jews who have become Christians since maybe Pentecost. Or they were scattered there from Jerusalem when the persecution started in Acts chapter 8 after the death of Deacon Stephen. Luke doesn't tell us. But what we do know, there are some saints down in all of these regions away from Jerusalem that are now Christians, and Peter is visiting them, these churches. So Peter's kind of stepping out. He's out of Jerusalem. He's not in what he knows, but he's way down in Lydda, and he's down there preaching and teaching and encouraging the saints. So Peter is kind of stepping out. The other apostles, where they're at, they're in Jerusalem, but they know. But these regions that Peter goes to and these towns that Luke mentions are mainly populated by Gentiles. You need to know that. You don't see that in the text, but just when you do background study, these parts of the, where Peter is going is Jews there, but it's mostly dominated by Gentiles. So Jesus is getting him ready for what will take place in chapter 10 with Peter. Peter will have a divine meeting with this Gentile centurion named Cornelius. We know that Peter was a Jewish fisherman. And Jews, kind of like today, just kind of stick to themselves. I think Kanye kind of got himself in trouble with that. And you know what? You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. Some people say, you know, it's nothing wrong with ethnic sticking together. You know, when Hispanics come to the country, they stick together. I mean, it, you know, ain't nothing wrong with that. So we could beat people up from that. But personally, um, nothing wrong with that. But Jesus, you know, he does want his people to go to the whole world. So, you, you know, you got to kind of wrestle with that as well. So Peter is a Jewish fisherman. Don't forget that. He's Jewish. And Jews typically stick to themselves kind of people especially as it relates to Gentiles. We already know that. Now, Jews and Gentiles in the New Testament, those are two groups that they didn't get along. That would be like Bull Connor and me. Y'all know who Bull Connor is? Man, I keep saying Bull Connor, man. Chad, we need to show a video of Bull Connor here one Sunday so people can know, because Murphy says she don't even know who he is. Dion, where you at, man? You ain't doing a good enough job, man. You need to tell who, who Bull Connor is. <laughs> Bull Connor, if he came in here right now, Probably most of y'all would leave. 
Not a good guy for black people here in Bunner. Look it up. Bull Colonel Eugene Connor. I posted last week um, about Paul when he came back to the Christians, in, 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 you know, and they said, hey, man, Paul said, I've been saying I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Remember the Christians who said, hey, no, we don't know about that, man. Last time we saw you, you was trying to kill us. And I posted on Facebook, I was talking to, um, I don't know who I was talking to, one of our members can't remember. I'm getting old, man. I can't remember who I was talking to. But I was trying to give a parallel about Saul. It would be like Saul coming back to the Christians after he did what he did to the Christians. It would be Bull Connor in the 60s coming back to the black community Christians and saying, hey, guys, I met Jesus. And I can see Dr. Keenum going, what? Everybody like in, a, in, a, in a, you know in a, a TikTok. Whoa! <laughs> we want to meet with Bull Connor, the guy who had the dogs downtown. That's what Paul was. And we just read through it. So anyway, Jews and Gentiles is not something that could come about outside of the gospel. So Peter being a fisherman, he's, he's down in these towns. He's preaching to the Jewish people there. And these towns are dominated by mostly Gentiles. And so I put it in my notes. God is slowly moving Peter in his calling towards a broader kingdom vision. We'll come back to that. I'll make some points here. I know in this room today that most of us modern Christians have no idea. We really don't really understand the magnitude and the depth of ethnic, political, and social divisions that are very difficult to overcome. And nuance, even for Christians. And, I, and, you know, um, I was voting, what was voting, last Tuesday? And I was over here at the church, and I came in, a pastor just started challenging me who I was voting for. I, I didn't know what I'm voting for. I guess because I hang out with Charles, some of y'all ain't here. As soon as I walked in, he said, you voting for the Republicans? I'm like, hold on, God, I'm just, <laughs> do I have R on me or something? <laughs> and he started going into me, people were looking. Two pastors going at it. I mean, he was, no, he was chewing me out. I mean, I started feeling so bad. I said, Lord, I'm ready to go home. Let me go home. Literally, like, you can just come get me now. I can just, body can stay here. Sandra gets a memo. Pastor Hardy died at the church. <laughs> I was just discouraged. I was like, man, I can just, anyway. I don't think we realize, and I get reminded how difficult sometimes these these racial, ethnic, political, social things that we've all grown up in. And even as Christians, they're not as easy as we think they are. And for me personally, I have here in my notes, I am constantly experiencing this in my own life personally. Um, I wanted to share something today, and I said, no, nah, I can't do that, Lord. No, no, no. Because I just, not yet. But one day, soon, hopefully, after talking it over with the elders, I'll be able to share it publicly. But it's, it's a lot that's in, in this whole ethnic racial stuff. 
And so let me keep moving on. But our calling from God in our personal ministry as disciples of Jesus, not us, will lead us into ministry spaces that will go against our cultural background. When you just follow Jesus, it'll, Jesus will lead you into spaces that you probably would have never in a hundred years gone on your own. And he will lead us against our cultural background and it will, these backgrounds that we've grown up with, they will be at conflict with the things that we grew up believing about other people groups and et cetera. You've been, said, you've been told this, you've been told that, and then now you, Jesus is leading you and you're just struggling to work that stuff out. And this is why I put here in my note, the process is slow and it takes time in working out these belief systems, especially when they have had any kind of trauma connected to it. And I, I, I put it here in my notes, because it's all online now. I would encourage you to go, when you get home today, 60 minutes, put in 60 minutes, including the Lost Souls of Buddha, and just watch what is happening in Ukraine. And I want you to think through religion, through Christianity. Now, 50 years from now, war's over, you gotta go to Ukraine, and you have now Russians and Ukrainians. And I, wanna, I want you to think through, after you watch the video and see what all of the atrocities have been done by the Russians to the Ukrainians, I mean, they have killed whole families, whole lineages have been taken out. And I want you to think through with all of that trauma and how you would, how you would walk the Ukrainians and the Russians into unification in the gospel. See, and, I, and that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think people understand sometimes how deep it is. But anyway, moving on. But Dr. Luke, today in our story, is telling certain stories. And these stories are here to us for a reason. Why? Because they connect to a bigger story of the gospel moving beyond Jerusalem and into hostile territories of the Gentiles. So Dr. Luke is not just pulling stories out, out of the thin air. He wants us to understand something. And so these stories are connecting that we're about to read. Oh, we've already read, but I'm going to read it again. And so here in Peter's ministry, he performs two miracles. Both of them follow in the same pattern as, he said, riding the gospel. When Jesus was in Mark chapter 2, the paralytic man, he said, rise up and pick up your mat. And this is what happens with Peter. Aeneas, he's paralyzed for eight years. And Peter says to him, I love this part of the text. Peter didn't come in. I, Peter, called by God, the great apostles, I heal you. So that's what we would do today in 2022. Then we put it on YouTube. Peter says, Jesus Christ, Aeneas, heals you. Then I love this. Rise and make up your bed. Why do you think he says make up your bed? <laughs> now, Luke put that in there. So I was like, Lord, that's 
like anything. Some of us don't make our beds in there. <laughs> I think that's the point. He's been laying in his bed for eight years, bed sores and all kinds of stuff. He's paralyzed. So Peter is saying, you've been healed by Jesus the Christ. God can do that. Not human, but God can. Rise up. And by the way, make up your bed. Meaning, you're back to normal. And there's, you're back to walking around. No one needs to bring you food anymore. No one needs to clean you up anymore. You can do all that yourself now. And you can start by making up your bed. Second miracle is with this woman named Tabitha, who was full of good works, Luke tell us, an act of charity. So I want to kind of stop here and do, uh, I just want to do some apologies for Christianity. If you're here today, you said, man, I struggle with Christianity. When Lecrae got a, um, see, I wish I could get a chance to meet Lecrae. Y'all know Lecrae. I know Lecrae personally. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. He's got a new album out. Not, it, Trey, if you hear this, I'm not sponsoring your album. I'm just talking about you because <laughs> I got to be careful. This stuff goes online. Somebody's going to send it to him. Say, P.A. over it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm just making a, an observation with the sermon, Lecrae. Here we go. Um, people are going through what they're going through. A lot of millennials are going through what they call deconstruction, losing their faith. Don't know if it's really real. So part of what I'm about to tell you is what we call apologetic defense of the faith and why it is that we believe what we believe. So this is what I'm about to say. So as you're reading the text, we come to this woman named Tabitha. The Bible says she's full of good works, not just some. She's full of good works and acts of charity. I'm going to come back to that, but here's my point as I lay um, kind of land the plane a little bit on Peter's ministry I want to make this pit stop talking about good works and good deeds good deeds which are connected to these two miracles that we see here in the text and so, so you ever want to argue with someone about why Christianity is the real deal you can use some of these things because these are facts from history here they go how many of you in the last two weeks and the last one have been to the hospital for some sickness? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You've been to the hospital. Med center or something like that. Nobody been in the hospital yet? Man. Meaning me, all y'all been touched by uh, like, <laughs> like Jesus Christ, like Aeneas was? <laughs> That's good. Praise the Lord. But here's my point, what I'm about to make. Do you not know before Jesus entered this world, that there was no such thing as hospitals in the world? That you couldn't just get in your car and get on your horse and just ride down to Brookwood Hospital in Jerusalem or somewhere in the pagan world? None. Zero. Christianity brought hospitals. People like Tabitha. There were no institutions to take care of those who were ill. Man, especially if you were poor like me. 
you got sick with the flu, you were a goner. There were no hospitals in Egypt and all those ancient worlds that we read about. None. You didn't have no money. Maybe the rich had doctors. Rich always been able to get around this stuff. Before Jesus entered this world, there were no orphanages in this world. People did not care for children who had no parents. There were no lifelines. I'm on Lifelines National Board. There were no lifelines in the ancient world. Pastor, what made them come about? Christianity. So while you want to deconstruct, make sure you deconstruct and understanding that. You can go read Rodney Stark, The Triumph of Christianity. None. There were no stable life. The Greeks and the Romans families would expose their own children to pairs from the elements if they thought they had enough children. Say, how many children we got, um, Shaniqua? Um, we got eight. That's it. <laughs> Anybody else after this? Throw them out. <laughs> this, is, this is what the world was like. A man could just decide, I was reading, um, he, he, it, it said if the Roman father went to pick the baby up, and he just looked at it. He could just have whatever bad day, bad hair day. He didn't like it. He could say, I don't want it. And no one stepped up to help. That was the cruelty of the ancient world before Jesus came into this world. Many children would just roam the streets and end up in male and female prostitution. Before Jesus entered this world, there were no stable life. There were no lifelines, adoption agencies. And people who had leprosy or some kind of, of incurable diseases, they had no places to stay or reside. They were ostracized, and there were no Christian service missions organizations and Red Crosses and Jimmy Hill missions and homeless shelters throughout the whole ancient empire. Homeless, you ain't got no money, you got no food, you can just pull up at Jimmy Hill Mission in first century A.D. Jerusalem. No way, Jose. In Greek, Greece, in Egypt, no. One commentator said, you will never find in all the ancient literature Read where the community of Rome getting together to take up an offering to send to the starving poor in Egypt. You won't find any of that in any of the ancient literature. It didn't happen. People were selfish. What changed all of that, PA? Christianity. There were schools and education for the common person did not exist. That's why most of the world was illiterate, could not read or write. The wealthy people, they had educational avenues. But everybody else for the poor, which was much more poor then, there was no way you could learn how to read and write. And I think what happens with Christianity, we start, we just, we just, we just live in our modern 21st century worldview, and we don't understand the historical perspective 
So when you come across a text like this and not really seeing what's in the text, here's this woman named Tabitha who's full of good works, meaning she's being very industrious with her time. She's not wasting it on Instagram or anything else because they didn't have it back then. Maybe she went on there and said, oh, I got to get off of this. Let me go do some good works. I put here in my notes, if there was ever a good case to raise someone from the dead with those characteristics that Tabitha had, this would be a good case. Look, man, some folks died. They didn't do anything anyway. Let them stay dead, Peter. <laughs> but Tabitha was putting in good works. <laughs> she was helping Urban Hope Community Church out. So, Pastor Allison, if you know how to call on Jesus like Peter did, please come and pray for this person. I don't know if I would come, but, you know, if the Lord tells me to, I'll go over and say, Lord, I don't know if I can do it, but I'll say, hey, you know. But Tabitha, oh, yeah, I would make a good case for her to be raised up. And that is exactly what happened and what transpired. Peter goes there and prays for her. Verse 37 says, in those days she became ill and she died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. I love this, but verse 40, but Peter put all the people that were crying and weeping outside. Same thing Jesus did in Mark chapter 5. When he came to the house of um, Jairus um, to pray for his daughter and the Bible said Jesus there was a lot of commotion going on. They didn't really have faith, and he said, get them out of here. That's why I said Peter is paralleling you know, Jesus, because Peter was there. And so, same thing. He said, I love y'all, but y'all got to go outside. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe some folks' face, I don't know why. I'm like, I asked the Holy Spirit, why you got to put them outside? Why you don't, so they can see it. Maybe one time they say, well, what if she didn't get up? <laughs> Peter had to come out there and say, <coughs> man, y'all came and got me out of lighter. I was down there chilling, and you walked me all the way these 10, 12 miles. Now my feet tired and rusty on this dust, and I got to go back. So who knows why he, you know, I, the Lord didn't give me anything. I said, well, why are you putting them out? You know, it could be because they didn't have the faith, or whatever the case may be. But nevertheless, he puts them out, and we know the rest. Tabitha arrived, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up, then calling the saints, the disciples, the Christians, and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord like it was in Lydda. Many turned to Jesus. 
So here we see, this is my last part of my text here. I want to spend some time on this. Here we see this ethnic Jewish man by birth, which is Peter. He's called to be an apostle to the Jews by the providence of God. He didn't call himself. He was called by God. And Luke, here in the story, as the Holy Spirit says, write this part because in 2022, November 13, one of my servants named Alton Hurd is going to be preaching through the book of Acts, and I'm going to stop him and have him just sit with it for a while. I don't know if God quite said it like that to him, but I don't think anything is in the Bible by chance. Y'all know me by now. We don't believe that. So here we see this, this ethnic Jewish man by birth. He's called to be an apostle. And Luke tells us what seems to us on the surface may be insignificant. While your pastors and those who preach the word, they need to study the text, read behind the text, read the commentaries on the text, and ask the Holy Spirit on the text so they can preach the text. Because this last verse is very powerful. But on the surface, it may be insignificant. But within it, it is the power of the gospel that is at work as it makes a bridge to the next chapter, which is chapter 10. And it says, in Peter, this Jewish by ethnicity man, Staying in Joppa. Now Luke is writing this down. What's so significant about that? Okay, he stayed in Joppa. For many days with one Simon his house. Okay, Luke, you get it? So why would Luke just, <laughs> Peter stayed in Joppa. And why did Peter stay at Simon the Tanner's house? And why is that important for us to understand? Remember, going back to Jesus' great commission, Jerusalem connects to that, connects to us. So what's going on here? I didn't first see this at first. And that's like a couple of days ago. Big deal, Simon Tanner. I'm like, I mean, you know, Simon the Tanner. When I first read it, I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> you know, I'm a little slow learner. It's like, let me go look up Tanner. Oh, I went and looked up. Okay, it's a guy. A Tanner is one whose craftsmanship is working with dead carcasses. Well, for me, I'm not a Jewish person. That's not a big issue. I grew up in Charlotte. We saw dead carcasses all the time. Played around them. Picked them up. See a skull head laying out there? It could be a dead deer chest. Shot it, didn't pick it up. We just pick it up. We play football with it. No big deal for us out in Sardis. But the tanner is one whose craftsmanship is working with dead carcasses of dead animals. But I'm not Jewish. So I didn't first see it. So I had to go do some background why this is significant that Peter is staying with Simon the Tanner. This practice was prohibited to Jews. Peter would have grown up knowing that. It was an anathema, a curse, to be around dead animals and anyone who worked with dead animals. But you want that leather coat. Some of y'all had a leather coat on this morning. I saw somebody put that leather coat on. 
I hope it was leather, not pleather. <laughs> Pleather's a knockoff. It was a prohibited thing by Jews to work with dead animals. But a tanner was one who made leather. The tanners, what they were ostracized. They had to live 25 yards outside of town. In the rabbinical law, it stated that a betrothed woman, if she discovered that her fiancé, some of y'all, please don't use this, EJ and Sasha, don't use this as a way to call off the marriage. But here in the rabbinical law, it stated that a betrothed woman discovered that her fiancé was involved in tanning. She could break off the engagement. That's how bad it was. Here we see in the text, and I come into a close, a Jewish man who's grown up all of his life as holy. Like all Jews, bear away from Gentiles. One who worked with dead carcasses to get clothing and leather, we most definitely feel it's him or them. Here we see God is softening this Jewish apostle's heart. And I put it in my notes, and he's breaking down years of prejudice that was taught to them. And this is what I said. I think, and this is Lord really, there was something in the story of what happened on the Tuesday night with the voting. I get reminded that if I want to move faster in this thing called Racial reconciliation that's happened here in Urban Hope. And man, I have to be honest with you. God said, you got to slow down, Archie. Like, I'm 56, and the truth be told, I didn't get there overnight. And what you see here with Peter, Peter is, is being used by God. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I'm going to make a statement about Peter. But he, he's, and I, think, and I think Luke points it out. He wants us to know, because chapter 10 is important, because God's going to, really move him into the Gentile territory with the, with the calling of Cornelius. Some would say the first Gentile convert. Peter is a Jewish guy. And I end here with my one takeaway, and this is for all of us, concerning this particular part of the story. One takeaway for us in all of our callings as Christians. We will struggle with some of these deep-seated sins. And this is not always related around race. There are things that can take place to us as children. I, show, I had a video, I sent it to Sandra, Ashley, and Chase yesterday, a video of a woman telling her story. And sometimes I, I get up and stuff that comes to me, and, I, and listen, when I'm sitting there weeping and crying, but this woman was telling a powerful story, but she talked about her childhood, and she's now in her 60s, and it took God years to get at something that had took place in her life when she was a child. And whether it be race trauma, sin trauma, abuse, it takes God years working in us and working this stuff out of us. Sometimes we just get abused by a, maybe a, a, a male man or something. He just takes advantage of us. And sometimes I see people, they just have a hard time really adjusting to a real strong man. It's not that they don't want to, it's been some kind of trauma, and it takes the Holy Spirit years 
to work that stuff out of us. And that's what that woman was saying in, in, in that testimony yesterday. I was listening to it. Peter has grown up as a Jewish man. And yet God is still using him in ministry. But we will find out later on with Peter, he walks on water. He sees Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter has had an up-close seat with Jesus. And yet, Peter, years down the road, we see this. He still struggles with this thing called Gentiles. That Paul has to confront him. So, Peter, you're not standing in the gospel. And God's going to use him next week when it comes to Cornelius. But Peter still struggles. And here's the thing I want to tell you. And yet God is still using him for that purpose. He hasn't figured it out. He just, he just man, I just can't get this Gentile thing. I like him. I don't know if I just, I'm not, not there. I just, and he gets it in the gospel, but just pr- practically working himself out, Peter just struggles with it. Can I really tell you the truth? A lot of us do about a lot of stuff in our lives. We say, by grace we say, we love God. But there's some things we just struggle with. And the Lord was really using this text to help me on something that I've been very vocal about. And the Lord was saying, Alvin, you need to be careful. I don't know what to do. This is for me personally, so I can't share it today, but I will in due time. Because he was telling me, be careful with it. And Peter here, um, God is using him. But we know Paul's going to have to check him. He struggles with that Jewish thing. I would probably say, you know, what, you know, some would say, what, you know, even though Peter get used by God to open up the Gentile relationship, we see in, in, in Acts 10, but obviously Paul is the one that God really calls to go into the Gentile world. As far as we know, at Silas 13, we see very little of Peter. Maybe Peter couldn't just get over the Gentile hang-up. He couldn't just make his way out of that worldview, how he grew up, and so God knew that. And so I'm going to use Paul, and Peter just went here and there all around the Jewish people. He was a good Jewish apostle. But maybe um, he wasn't going to be that good working with the Gentiles. And so I don't know, but God still used him. And what does that mean for you? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be over all of your childhood trauma, jump to the place where you're perfect. And then when I get all of that stuff out of me, Lord, he didn't use me. I'm here to tell you. God will use you in spite of, he still will work with you, and he will still bring you into places and spaces where you're going to be challenged to grow, and he will still use you. That's the, that's the moral of the story that I'm trying to tell you today. And that's what we're going to see with Peter. Now, he's going to kind of go off the scene as far as what Luke talks about, but he was still being used by God. He just wasn't being used by God over there with the Gentiles. <laughs> and maybe he's just like, he was just, he grew up in, like, he was like an old southerner, you know, he knows, he knows the gospel, but he's just like, man, <laughs> I just can't. No, PA, I just grew up with Bull Connor, man. There's just something about that. I can't. I get it. And that's what happened to me on Tuesday. This black pastor just challenged me. He said, and I don't care what they do, what you build, how much money they give you. And this is what hurt me. He said, I am 
never, I am never going to trust. I'm talking about white people, my white brothers and sisters. My heart drops. I like this pastor. It's cool. But I just had to accept it. He said, I'm never going to accept it. And he was laughing. He said, I'm good with it. And I'm voting this, 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 this all the way. And I was trying to get all my little political reasons why he should vote this way. And he came back. I wouldn't vote that way if Jesus came in here and told me to. <laughs> That's why I said, okay, I'm done. And I'm done with this sermon. Let's pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace. Um, thank you for the story of Peter. He's just like us. He's not perfect. And you're using him for your glory. And I thank you for how Luke gave us just a one verse. Peter stayed and resided for many days with a man named Simon the Tanner. And you told the disciples to go into all the world, Lord. And Lord, you know, we know our world. But when we start to go into other people's worlds, we get, we get, we get funny. <laughs> Sometimes we don't like to eat certain foods, Lord. And, but you're calling us to go into certain places where we got to eat the food so that we don't offend the people so that we can witness to them. Some of us, well, Lord, we don't care. We're not eating that food. We're just not there. We're just stuck in who we are and how we don't understand the other. But yet you still call us to do so. And you still use Peter. And Lord, I pray that you continue to use us even as we walk this, this journey of life called Christianity. And I pray that we would be willing to stay at somebody's house that we would probably never ever would have ever wanted to stay if it wasn't for you. That's a man. Peter did stay. He's making his way. Hopefully, Lord, help us to make our way. Help us to become manifold like Peter. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.